Hello, welcome to this week's edition of the Africa Climate Conversations weekly podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogwa. We embarked on the mental health series two weeks ago. The essence is to explore how climate change impacts our mental health. The reason being climate change impacts such as flooding, drought, landslides, cyclones are becoming frequent and more damaging than 10 years ago. The World Meteorological Department has recorded 2016, 2019 and 2020 as the top three hottest years on record. With the global temperatures soaring, it's beyond a reasonable doubt that the uncertainty brought about by the changing weather and climate will impact most of us and for a long time. Remember, you can access the previous episodes if you go to the Africa Climate Conversations website, www.africaclimateconversations.com under podcast, or find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or any other channel you access your podcast from. Now, we are so grateful for a grant by the International Women's Media Foundation's Howard G. Buffet Fund for Women Journalists, which has made this mental health and climate conversations possible. This week, I would like to take us down to Garashi, village in Kilifi County, coastal Kenya, north of Mombasa. Now, Garashi is in the largest sub-counties, Magarini sub-county in Kilifi. Kilifi is one of the 29 counties classified as arid and semi-arid in Kenya and home to Watamu and Malindi's sandy beaches. Being an arid and semi-arid county, communities in Garashi depend on irrigation from the only permanent river emanating from the Abadea Ranges west of central Kenya, the Sabaki River. But each time it rains heavily upstream, Sabaki River in Garashi floods and displaces communities. I met up with Naomi Mwanyajipande, a Garashi Disaster Committee member, who says the village's economic livelihood has been heavily impacted by an interchanging natural change, rotating between droughts and floods. <laughs> The area has experienced drought for a long time. The problem is when it floods, the river breaks its banks, floods our farms and houses heavily impacting our economic livelihoods. The floods resulted in waterborne diseases. Since the 2018 floods to date, despite the rains, we don't seem to harvest enough. In early 2020, we experienced a long drought. We rely on farming. Whenever drought hits, we experienced reduced harvest, hence reduced income. Our children keep being sent back home for school fees, therefore missing out on lessons. These are among the challenges we are experiencing. Our economic livelihood has been heavily impacted by interchanging natural change, rotating between droughts and floods. When drought comes, we have no harvest. When the floods come, they wipe away everything we have accumulated. We are being forced to invest in modern farming. But the challenge is that our soils are loose, making it challenging to design fallows. Now, the upper zones seem to be our only hope 
but they are dry and not conducive for growing anything. David Kiraga, a Grashi committee member, says despite them moving to safer grounds, they still depend on the lower floodplains for survival. When it floods, it immensely impacts farming, livestock, and displaces people. The challenge is losing one's livestock, being displaced, and with no place to move to, hence many are forced to stay under trees. There are too many changes lately, making it difficult to predict what will happen next. For example, after returning to the farms after the 2018 floods, the soil still had moisture. We farmed and harvested some food, but then a drought hit and we experienced reduced rains in 2020. At the same time, a majority relocated to upper zones, but still rely on the river's lower sides for grazing and farming. Due to reduced rains and overgrazing, and being the only places for livestock to graze, the grass withers fast. Now both the floods and drought are heavily impacting on us. We have moved to advised safer zones, but we still depend on the lower areas for farming and grazing areas often destroyed by floods. Our farms consist of sandy soils, now heavily degraded, affecting farming and grazing not just for livestock but also for the wild animals. Flash floods are not the only things keeping Garashi villages awake at night. The 2018 Kilifi County Drought Contingency Plan notes that the drought return periods have reduced to two to three years from every five to seven years in the last decade. Between 2016 and 2020, Kilifi County experienced a devastating drought that led to massive pasture loss and cattle death, with nearly half a million people affected. Now, Kiraga says this is denying the villagers time to recover from a previous disaster. You know, changes require to be slow, but a sudden change disrupts even the mind as one doesn't know what to do next. When one is relocated from their homes to a new place, your mind gets disrupted. The mind tends to take longer to adjust compared to being in your previous known safer zone. At that time, one's way of doing business is disrupted. Often the mind struggles with the thoughts of how best can I get back on my feet. In that case, think of someone who lost about six or eight cows during drought or floods. The struggle comes in the constant thought of how best to get back 
the mature herd of cows. But the person is continuously afraid that the previous tragedy might befall them once they invest back. And hence, the mind holds them back. So, it will be best if you devised another plan for developing yourself. Also, education is disrupted as the children are forced to change schools as parents relocate. Others walk long distances to school, negatively impacting their education. Remember, some never used to travel long distances before. Getting schools closer to the children is one of the things we are currently struggling with, as a majority's education is immensely impacted by the changes. Now, while the land was under drought conditions in 2018, Garashi Amalindi Food Basket struggled under devastating flash floods as Sabaki River flooded because of the heavy rains upstream. Shadrach Chalo, a 60-year-old father of 10, sustained his family out of selling bananas, coconut, popos, maize, and assorted vegetables he grew using irrigating his two-acre farm. He lost everything to floods and is yet to recover. I am a farmer. I had invested in irrigation farming, which enabled me to educate my children. The 2018 floods destroyed my farm, carried away the generators, the irrigation pipe, and all other farming equipment I had bought. Due to lost income, I had to transfer my children to public schools. It has greatly impacted me economically. I never had to transport my farm inputs to Malindi town. Customers would travel to my farm to buy from there. Today, since losing that farm, educating my children has become a near impossible task. I am not the only one heavily impacted. I witnessed a couple of men who had invested in coconut trees and bananas. They lost everything in one night. I lost a few villagers to stroke that developed from the stress accumulated after the 2018 floods. The problem was, where do you start? It takes time to plant and wait for the coconut trees and bananas to mature and earn you money. Now, when all these trees die suddenly, the entire farm is destroyed. All cows are dead overnight from floods. And given some of us are old and don't have the energy to start over, stress and death are inevitable for a majority of the farmers. It is one of our biggest challenges. Relocation is also among our problems. We were lucky Red Cross was of help, even though they only helped us rebuild the house. You were required to buy land on safer ground 
the majority did not have the money to purchase land, neither the sponsorship. Circumstances forced them to return to the flood zones. I have not managed to buy back my drip irrigation kit to get back to my farm as my finances have been significantly low. But luckily, an Islamic relief project sunk a borehole to enable villagers to farm. The challenge with this is that we have to rent the land at 3,000 shillings per year. The landowners require one to pay for the years they plan to farm. For example, if I need the farm for 14 years, you have to pay for the 14 years. Besides, one has to buy the irrigation kit, which makes it impossible for some of us. Looking back at where I was before, my life has changed. It's stressing to think of how best I can get back on my feet. If only I can get some sponsorship, I could get back to farming and educate my children as I did before. It is not just the elderly the community has to watch out for, but the children as well. At night, our children wake up screaming. You have to begin to catch them as they sometimes wake up shocked and start sleepwalking. Before the flooding, they will sleep soundly uninterrupted at night. We have gone to the hospitals seeking professional help, but the medics say the children are not sick. As parents, we do not know what to do next. We are not able to seek help beyond this village. They feed well, but the night screams are worrying. Before floods, the children seemed fine. Since the 2018 flooding, they have entirely changed. The school teacher has raised concerns. Their writing and ability to respond to the teacher's questions seem slower than the rest of the children and deteriorating. Jonathan Gayai, a Kilifi County Meteorological Service officer, says rainfall in Kilifi County has immensely changed. Gayai says the uncertainty of the changing rainfall trends is heavily impacting people's livelihoods as communities cannot adapt to a known usual scenario. Kilifi County is in a low-lying region and we suffer two types of flooding. One is when upper regions like uh, Okambani, Nairobi have excess rainfall, this water flows through River Sabaki and causes what we call flash floods. The area is not raining, but because of rain up upstream, we get flooding. Yeah. Instant flooding. So people are worried. They are displaced with, with, with water where, when there's no rain. So when we get uh, rains, every rains in up, up, up country, it affects the people down here because of that uh, liver line uh, flooding. Mm. Sometimes when it rains very heavily around, we also get the flooding. Now, the river has so many challenges. Sometimes because of uh, the riverian area be being destroyed through cutting of trees, 
the river has been changing course and actually affecting massive land which was used for horticultural growth. So of late, uh, NEMA has been looking at the riparian area and telling people to keep off the riparian area, which is uh, more than uh, more than 10, 10 meters from the river. And these are step in the right direction so that we may have a, a baba zone, a baba zone where when it, the water is so much, it can be soaked by the uh, the, the, the riparian roots. Eh? And so we find the flooding has been somehow controlled. Mm -hmm. So these are issues that need to be enforced so that uh, the river does not keep changing course and affecting people's livelihood. Now, um, the other issue is that uh, when the river Sabak bus is banks, because of various reasons, of course, because of very rains up country and down here, mm -hmm. then there is a lot of uh, a lot of uh, devastating effects to the people around. One, you might find we have actually uh, gotten stories of people whose livestock has been swept, swept completely. And once their livestock is swept, then it means people have lost their livelihoods. Crops have been swept, farmland has been swept. People have been left in very devastating situation, actually leading to so many people being affected psychologically. Then when we talk about uh, drought, uh, for the last uh, two years, there has been uh, enhanced rainfall and people in Cliff County have, done, have, have gotten massive harvest, bamba harvest. And flooding was controlled because we used the strategy of early warning, early action. Through various stakeholders, we were able to, uh, to evacuate people from blood from zones and taking them to high, uh, high grounds and that way we were able to avoid a lot of loss of livelihoods lives especially for our livestock and, and, and the people but when it comes to drought in 2017 2016 we suffered a very uh, dangerous drought it was so serious that uh, people most lost almost all their livestock and climate being sometimes a harsh reality people came to appreciate that climate can be a robber actually climate is a robber it is a robber because we have noted cases of where people were very rich in terms of livestock but after 2016-2017 they are now very poor people because of loss of livestock and it is recorded the suffering because of lack of food for livestock and for people was so immense that even the distribution from NGOs, the government was doing very little, very little impact. People suffered really, and that one really affected their psychology. So the truth is people are suffering because of lack of early warning or because of the, the governments or the stakeholders who are supposed to react, eh, being reactionary. We need to get out of the reaction culture, become proactive when an early warning is given. We must put in place interventions to really mitigate the adverse effects. Because it's actually the adverse effects that are hurting people. If, if people were proactive and then interventions were put, then it would lessen the impact of the, uh, these disasters. Mm -hmm. So, Thank you. Um, what I'm wondering and listening to is that 
yes, the Kenya Met is actually decentralized. The services are decentralized now. But then communities in when River Sabaki busts its bank, they just get caught unaware. Um, so fine disasters kind of seem to hit you know that's when everybody's running into doing you know mitigations into doing something but already when the disasters have hit is it Kenya Met that doesn't give these warnings early enough or what happens where is this chain broken because if Kenya Met is decentralized and it's offering services in terms of forecasting the weather forecast and giving advisory why is it that we keep running when already these communities are hit and we are telling these communities to move when already the flooding has occurred? That's a good question. The Kenya Med Department issues the advisories in time. And now the issue is the, who is to take action. Of course, Kenya Med is a service department. Service department is that we don't have the capacity to respond. We only issue the advisory but then the stakeholders who they are, we have stakeholders who are supposed to act. The county government, the national government, the Red Cross if it's flooding, and several stakeholders. They are supposed to get the early warning and immediately swing into action. But if they don't take heed, if they ignore, the ignorance leads to the suffering of the people. So when we come back to the Kenya Met, we will tell them we gave you the warning. We can even show them the time we gave them the wall early in advance. But if they don't act, there's, there's nobody to, to blame. So the issue is eh, failing to take it, failing to take early warning. That is what is affecting the people of Kilifi County. Now, I spoke to Joshua Malingi, the Kilifi County Disaster Management, who says that despite the county experiencing persistent recurring droughts and floods, investment in cycle social support for these communities at the forefront of disasters is not something the county has invested in yet. More often than not, uh, we normally spend funds which are provided in the county assembly. And uh, sometimes it used to be very difficult uh, to have these uh, funds approved. In my own understanding, I used to believe like, uh, you know, when you prepare for, you keep funds for a disaster, from the African perspective, it's like uh, bad omen. So in as much as uh, disasters are there and they normally occur in our county, uh, there has been that need to ensure that uh, our, our colleagues uh, who are politicians understand that um, disasters are there, they affect our people, and that uh, before they occur, we need to have prepared for them for mitigation. When mitigating disasters and also actually uh, adapting from disasters, I mean, psychosocial support has not been part, the, part of the things that have been, been given priorities in terms of dealing. Why is it that psychosocial support is not? Social support uh, has not been uh, one of the main things we focus on. And I want to believe it's because of the cultural background of our people. Um, you know, African men are born to be tough or actually believed so. So even if a disaster befell a certain family, the man would wake up the following day and uh, move on and would not look at it that uh, it affects his mental, mental health. So I want to believe as a department or as a unit, there's need to have a a way of uh, cancelling these people who have been affected so that uh, they can understand that uh, in as much as the, the disaster befell them the other time, 
they can uh, cope up with the situation when it happens again. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But basically, I want to believe that has not been uh, part of our duty for the time being. And uh, as we said our discussion this uh, this afternoon, I'm going to understand the importance of counseling. Although we have been taking, I think we have been taking things for granted. When we provide the the, the the basic needs, then it's like we believe we have done our part. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm hoping that this conversation that we've had this afternoon brings in the importance of psychosocial support. Yeah. yeah. I want to believe we are going to achieve yeah. with the help of the CSG, as I said, the counter steering group, mm. whereby we have uh, NGOs who have also the capacity to come up with even professionals. Next week, join me as we explore the challenges these communities in Kilifi are experiencing accessing psychosocial support in the county. Remember to send your questions, suggestions, and contributions to info at africaclimateconversations.com. And also, please subscribe to the Africa Climate Conversation podcast on our website, www.africaclimateconversations.com, so you do not miss out on a single episode. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and any other channel you access your podcast we are on twitter facebook and instagram as africa climate conversation so please follow us and let's continue the conversation there remember this conversation has been made possible by a grant from the international women's media foundations howard g buffet fund for women journalists until next week on tuesday kwaheri my name is sophie mbogwa mm-hmm.